Right, so this morning I'm going to start talking about, uh, I'm going to start a, a series on how to respond to God's kindness. How to respond to God's kindness. Now, in the book of Romans, the book of Romans, you know, the whole book of, the entire book of Romans is focused, particularly the first part from Romans chapter 1 to Romans chapter 11, was focused on explaining to the Roman church and also explaining to us the righteousness that is of God how to gain a right standing with God and how to do that, how to be accepted in the, how to accept it into God's family, how to be, how to receive eternal life, how to be engrafted into the family of God is by faith in the finished works of Christ. By faith in the finished work of Christ. You know, Paul, Paul did a fantastic job, Apostle Paul, I mean, who is the author of the book of Romans, did an amazing job explaining to people that you, you, you cannot be righteous, the kind of righteousness that God desires, the kind of righteousness that supersedes that of the Pharisees which Jesus talked about, that kind of righteousness that, that makes you to be accepted in the family of God without any, any feeling of or sense of shame or guilt, that kind of righteousness is not something you can work for. It's something you receive by faith. And he explained to us, he showed us the life of Abraham, that Ab Abraham was, was, was uh, declared righteous even before the law was instituted, the law was given. So before the Ten Commandments, before the, all the laws of Brother Moses, Abraham was declared righteous. And why was he declared righteous? Because he had faith in God. So God makes people righteous. God declares people righteous. You know, in chapter 6, you know, some people, after hearing about the goodness and the kindness of God, because this righteousness we are talking about is not something you earn, it's something that you receive as a result of the grace of God. And when we talk about grace of God, we are talking about the undeserved kindness of God. So none of us deserve the kindness of God. What we deserve because of our sinful nature and the things we do as a result of our sinful nature is destruction. We don't deserve anything good from the standard of God, from the basis of God's standard of goodness and righteousness. Neither you or myself can meet or can match the standard of goodness of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 make us understand that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, we were not good when Jesus died for us. Jesus did not come to die for good people. Jesus said while he was on earth, in, in, during his earthly ministry, he said he did, not come to die, he did not come to condemn the world but to die for the world. He didn't come to declare people unfit for purpose, unfit for use, unfit for God. But it came so that people can be qualified by faith. <laughs> people can be qualified for righteousness. People can be qualified to have peace with God. People can be qualified. So you don't qualify yourself to... You don't... You don't you, <laughs> I'll, let me rephrase that. You cannot qualify yourself for righteousness. God is the one who qualifies you for righteousness. And all you need to qualify for that righteousness is only by faith, not by your works. 
So Paul, Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 1 to chapter 11, you know, he, he spoke extensively, explaining, expressing, proving to you and I that we should not try to earn God's favor and righteousness by our own effort. Now, if you want to try to do that, how long, how is that working out for you? How far have you gone? Because you will, you will never be able to do enough to meet that standard of God that your mind and the devil will keep telling you to reach. Because you will always come across people who are better than you. Who do much better than you. So as long as one human being, one person or the other can, will always outdo you, you will constantly live in rejection, in condemnation, a sense, overwhelming sense of you are not good enough. Because you always see people better than you, who can sacrifice more than you, who can do one thing better than you in serving God. So it's better for you to give up on trying to earn righteousness by your own effort because it's not going to take you far. I've been there. It didn't work. It brought brought stress. It brought anxiety. It brought fear into my life. It made me vulnerable to manipulations. People were manipulating me. Churches were manipulating me. You know, lead, Christian leaders were manipulating me. I was having this chat with my wife yesterday that if I knew what I knew now, I wish I feel like calling the name of the ministry, but because it's un- unprofessional, so I won't call it. I mean, the pastors, they were kicking me left, right and center. As if my life did not count, did not matter. If I knew what I knew now, I would have walked out one day. And, and block every one of them on my phone. I, I sense in my spirit that God wants to set someone free. You know, you may be watching online or listening via being one of our podcast channels, but I feel in my heart that God wants to set someone free because you've been in a place of religious bondage and you've not been able to come out of it. But God is saying to you this morning that you can step out, you can walk out. They don't own your life. The fact that you're a Christian and you attend a church does not mean that church owns your life. You are a Christian because Jesus died for you and you accept the works is done for you by faith. So what qualified you to be a Christian, what brought you into the family of God is not what a man or a woman did for you. So a man or woman, nobody has a right to control or to run your life. Amen. Apostle Paul did a fantastic job making you understand that, (laughs) man, God is so kind, grace, gracious, merciful. When I say merciful, he did not give you what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Right? He gave you what you don't deserve. Mm-mm, you don't get it. Now, now, this is what we talk about, grace versus mercy. Grace and mercy. They're kind of, they are brothers and sisters, they are, brother, they are siblings. Now, mercy is you not getting the punishment you deserve based on your works. If God were to be grading you based on your works, looking at other people who can, who can outdo you or outdoing you, you, punishment is what you deserve. But grace is the kindness and the favor of God that you don't deserve. So God did not give you what you deserve. He gave you what you don't deserve, which is favor, eternal life, grace. God is so kind. God is so amazing. So going to the second part of Romans chapter, the book of Romans. Then Paul started talking about how we should respond to this kindness of God. You can see the excitement 
on my face or hears my voice. How should we respond to the kindness of God? Even though I give you the answer from the title of this message, well, uh, the guys who are on Zoom may not have seen it, which is good. No, none of you guys should go on YouTube to, to see the answer. <laughs> Amen. How should we respond to the kindness of God? So let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'll read the New King James Version, Romans 12. Watch this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Which is your reasonable service. If you'll be coming to, if you'll be attending the uh, IIC conference next week, this is a, this is a prerequisite course for you to attend the conference. Uh, you guys are here already anyway. So if there's anyone who you've not known, you, you know will be coming. I, I recommend you share this course. This, that's a course. <laughs> you share this message with them. Because this is preparing your heart for what's going to happen next week. And then next week, Sunday, we go deeper. Mm -hmm. We, as time goes on, I'll share some, some things that God has done in my life you know, over the past three years that we've started this church, you know, which was preparation, ground for, preparation for what God wants to do through us. You know, a lot of people see us to have started church three years ago, but for, for all of that was still warm-up uh, warm session and prep, prep work for what God wants to do through us. And why I call it prep work are the things I'm going to be sharing with you guys at some point and as we carry on on this journey from next week. Amen. So Paul said, so we're talking about how to respond to God's kindness. Now let's read uh, the NIV. Uh, so NIV uses a word that I want to expand this morning. Now Paul said, therefore, I, I like how Hampli and NIV use the word therefore, because it shows that it shows there's a context before chapter 12. So all I've said earlier on was about the goodness, the kindness of God, the righteousness of God. And Paul is saying here that after all of these things are happened, as a result of the goodness and the kindness of God, therefore, it reads, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So the words I want you to focus on in the NIV is the therefore and urge. We're going to be switching versions this morning. New King James says, I beseech you, which is the same thing as urge. Therefore, so it Nick and James use therefore not at the start but after urge. So both versions, in case you 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 you're thinking they don't they don't say the same thing, they say the same thing. Where the words are put are just different. Don't forget that last week I was sharing with us that we should we should look out for the message, not just the text. Right? So Chapter 12 of Romans 
is a continuation of the first part of the book of Romans, where Paul did a good job explaining to us how we receive the righteousness of God. Now he's talking about how to respond. So therefore, brethren, right, by the message of God, now go back to NIV. He said, in view of God's mercy, as a result of God's mercy. Now, this part of the Bible is not saying that you should seek the mercy of God. It says, in view of the mercy of God that you have received, which he explained in chapter 1 to 11, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. By the time I finish this teaching, I trust God it will make sense to you. But I want you to understand that God has had mercy on you and he has favored you. He didn't only not give you what you deserve, which is punishment of sin. He also gave you his own righteousness by your faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. So in response to God's mercy, what should you do? Offer your body as a living sacrifice. In response to the goodness of God, what should you do? How should you respond to the goodness of God? By offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, only acceptable to him, and that is your reasonable worship. Let's get into this. I'm about to get so excited about this. Awesome. So when we talk about living for God, right, this is my own terms, you know, how I've summarized all of this. When we say living for God, what does that mean? To make God the most important person in your life. What? To make God the most important person in your life. So how to respond to the mercy of God is to live for him. And to live for him means to make him the most important person in your life. Friend, we are going to go through this pain of taking things, of coming out of our comfort zone and taking one step further and going all the way to live our life for God. It's not going to be convenient to the flesh. We're not going to like it. But let me tell you something. It's only in living your life for God that you can live a truly fulfilled and meaningful life. I repeat, it's only in living your life for God, making God the most important person in your life and finding out how you can best serve him, not from a church perspective, but as a response to his favor, his goodness, his kindness. Just response to him. Right. It's only in doing that you, can, that you can actually experience a true fulfilling life. My wife and I, I was, I was chatting with her and we were talking about friendship. I was reading the book and the book, one of the chapters in the book talks about you are a friend of God. And in processing that, uh, what I read from that book, I thought about it. Now, a friend, Danny... Teenagers, teenagers, pay careful attention. Adults, pay careful attention to what I'm about to say. So when we say friend, now a friend is a person who, who brings you into their private space, 
into their confidence, who are allowed to see into their life. A friend who does not allow, who comes to see what's going on in your own life, but will not allow into your into their life for you to speak into their life, is not your true friend. They can be an acquaintance. I made this mistake for made for over 12 years in a relationship with someone. I never knew that they were not a friend. I thought they were a friend. In their own mind, they thought they were a friend. But I, they would seal information. If anything that would allow me to see into their life, they would not give access. But they're always coming to see what's going on in my life. Then I wonder why I was feeling so drained. I was feeling used. I was feeling manipulated. I'm thinking what's going on. And because the other, the other party, you know, don't have a sense of friendship that I have. I'm going somewhere. Now, God is not asking, he will not force you to come, I mean, will not force you to be interested in his, I mean, what he wants to do. But if you want to be a friend of God, you have to be intentional about finding out what matters to God. Because God cares about you and he, he, and everything about you matters to him. And he's always there to help, ever present help in time of need. Thank God, God is not like human beings. Imagine you have a friend who you, who, whom you always care about, but, never, but they never care about you. Right? Or they care about you in a way they think they should care. They don't care about your emotions. They don't, they don't, just, they don't care. They are not really interested. Their heart is not in it, but their head may be in it. So you feel drained and used because there's no equal, res equal or similar response of heart connection, of heart involvement. I might not be doing a fantastic job, an excellent job to communicate this, but I'm trying to communicate my personal experience with you guys. How it feels. You know, when you labor and you toil and you're open and vulnerable with people, but they are never vulnerable and they will intentionally hold back information and they don't really care about you to a very much extent, how they will use you to get what they want to get. Does that sound like what many Christians are doing? When you try to, when you use God to get what you want to get, then you wonder why you don't have a strong and vibrant relationship with Him. Because you are using Him. So if you will not allow, and I'm not trying to condemn us this morning, but if, you, if you're not like someone to use you to, to get what, uh, what they want to get, why do you want to continue to use God to get what you want to get? Now, and there's no criticism here. It's what religion has taught us. Religion has taught us to see God as someone we cannot have a relationship with. But a tall order relationship, God, the Almighty, you and you are down there. Amen. Jesus called us friend. Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is a representation of God. So if Jesus called us friend and calls us friend, what do you think God calls you? Friend. Many of us sing the song, I'm a friend of God. But what does that really mean? Are you a friend of God or God is your friend? I called, I called the attention of teenagers to this because they want to have many friends, but their life falls apart when someone they think is their friend then pulls out. They've never been your friend. And that's why I'm using this opportunity to communicate to you what friendship really is like. 
Friendship is not something you build overnight. You gotta test people's character, one of the biggest mistakes of my life that I made. There's a person that used to be in my life. I saw major character issues, which rubbed off on me, affected my, the quality of my Christian life eventually. I saw it, but I overlooked it. I saw it, I saw it, I saw it, but I overlooked it. I explained it away, not knowing it was going to nearly ruin my health and my sanity. And nearly did. There are people I've allowed in my life to a very much extent that I saw the character issues, but I did, I, but I looked away until I started seeing those things in my life and I began to struggle in my Christian life. So friendship is not something you establish or build overnight. Because the person you call a friend is the person you want to allow into your inner space. I'm talking about friend, friend, inner space. You gotta test the waters. There's a lot of conversations that go into this, uh, probably in the future I'll teach on friendship. Now taking it back to God, God cares about it, it's always in your business. Are you ever always in God's business or concerned at all? Apostle Paul is saying to us that it's only fair, the fair thing to do, the fair, fair thing to do. So what you see in that Bible where it says reasonable service, it, the Greek rendering means fair, logical. The logical thing to do is to live your life for God. Give yourself to him. I'm going to read a few things out of my notes to take us um, further on this journey and to cover a lot of ground. Amen. What I've just shared with you was what the Holy Spirit was calling out in my spirit, but I've been trying to hold it back, but eventually I've done it. Thank God I did that. Amen. So let him speak to your heart as he has prompted my heart to speak to you guys. So let's carry on my note. Now, so to, resp to, to, to respond to God's kindness is to live for him. Not to live our lives independent of God. God is all in all. He's the source of our lives. He designed our life. See, we can't live any fulfill, uh, fulfilling or meaningful life outside of God. We can only live a truly fulfilled life if we actually live, live out the script of the one who created us. He planned our lives. Many of us are struggling, really struggling, really badly and hard in our lives because we are doing something we are not wired to do. I'm not saying life cannot be challenging. I'm not, I'm not saying that fulfilling God's purpose and plan is, will not be challenging and demanding. But many of us who are losing our sanity, it's because there's something we are giving ourselves to that is not in accordance with God's word or in accordance with God's plan. Because God's plan brings peace. So fulfilling God's plan and purpose may, be stretching, may, may stretch you demanding, but there will be peace and joy. You know, when I see the result of the things that I do, it gives so much joy. Is it very demanding? Yes. Do you know how many hours I spent this morning last night trying to fix these technical things and trying to save the church money and stuff like that, transferring money from one account to an international account so that we, I can get a low exchange rate, I can get a good exchange rate to buy and to pay for an application <laughs> that is, that is uh, charged in dollars. So many things that I do. Sometimes I don't want to use what's stressful, but challenging. I mean, yeah, demanding. Amen. But the result is just beautiful. Life, I mean, change lives. A story of life change. Amen. So we should not try to live our lives independent of God. Or try to fulfill our purpose independent of God. Purpose is a is a is a the reason why something exists. So if God created us for his own purpose. Right? And we want to live out his purpose. 
and I'm guilty of this a lot of, a lot of time because I'm, I'm a doer. I, get, I try to get the job done. So occasionally I tend to try to fulfill God's purpose in my own strength. Then I have to you know, make a cost correction and come back to my senses and carry on with God. Amen. So let's quickly go through those verses of uh, uh, those, the, the words in those um, in that verse of the Bible, Romans chapter 12. Say, I, I just kind of broke it down so that I can give you guys some meat. And I wish Janice was here, but hopefully she will be able to watch this when, when she get a chance. Watch this. It said, I heard you. Urge there, now referring to the NIV. Urge there means earnestly, persistently persuade you. Paul is persuading the people. And for Paul to take his time to persuade people, he's, telling, he's trying to express how important and vital it is to your life to live your life for God. And I'm persuading you to this morning. Nothing else in this world will make a lot of sense. I was using the, the illustration of God being your friend earlier on. You know, you know, you getting involved in God's business, not for a reward, but because God is your friend. So one of the ways you can develop a sound, intimate relationship with God is to get involved in his business. Not getting involved in his business so that I can bless you, but so that you can have a heart-to-heart relationship with the Father. So when you learn to put God at the center of everything that you do, see, prayer will no longer become difficult. Because with everyday life with prayer, you are talking to God nearly about everything because the job, the career you pursue, the things you do is, ba- is based on what God is leading you to do. So, and you know that you can't do this independent of him. So it's constant communication. So I've just given you one of the keys to building a vibrant, effective life. I talk to God all the time. Ah, then every second I see something about that doesn't make sense. No, why is that? I talk to God all the time. Something happens sometimes, I, I put myself to a corner and just pray about it. So literally, literally, they will say I live a prayer life. Not just by speaking in tongues, but carrying the consciousness, the consciousness of God in your mind as you go about your everyday business. Amen. And it's by the message of God, I, which I said earlier on, which is your response to God's marvelous message. And it says, offer your bodies. Offer your bodies, that means surrender yourself surrender yourself and I said which is holy and acceptable unto God now acceptable there means to fully fully agreeable you know you know living your life in such a way that is agreeable with God's way of doing things God's plan giving yourself to God amen and said this is your reasonable service just logical. Now, let's get into this a little bit, very quickly. Guys, we're going to take extra, you know, take extra five minutes there about to do this. Now, many Christians, including myself, think that it's, before I became a pastor, I mean, many Christians, and including myself back then, think that it is pastors, prophets, those men of God, that are called to live an extra, I mean, that are called, that are called to live, live for God, live a committed life to God. Some of you think because you're a nurse, you can't live a, a, a committed and devoted life to God. That's not true. Now, you're looking at commitment, you may be looking at commitment from the point of the fact that I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor. But this is what I'm called to do. But in what God has called you to do, if he's calling you into nursing, 
he must have spoken something to your heart. And if you have not had it, you want to go and seek him. Father, how do you want me to serve you and your people with my profession, with the talent and the mindset you have given me? There are many other things that I, could, I can do in this world. But the things that I know that will help my calling are the things I'm now learning and give myself to, to become an expert in it. I'm not telling you what it is. Which, in the eyes of some, of some other people, they are secular profession, but they're not secular because when I started this journey not too long ago, there's so many things, there are a lot of things, not too many, but there's some things in this church that we have stopped because of the things that I learned from that profession. And many things that we're doing, the results we are seeing now behind the scenes, you guys may not have seen it, is because of the things that I learned in that profession. Amen. There's a profession I want to, there's a kind of business I want to pursue. I'll probably do it later on, you know, for, to look after my family and do some other stuff. But this skill set, some of my friends are, not friends, but acquaintances are into crypto and kind of stuff. And it seems like they're making money with that, or, 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 or the best for, to them. But for the kingdom, for the church, for what God has called me to do, there's a profession that doesn't seem to, it's not making me any kind of money or any kind of thing now. But it's, it's making my ministry more valuable. That's more valuable. So you may, you may be looking at commitment to get from the point of what I do on Sunday or when I counsel people, pray with people, but you are not seeing the other part of what I do that I'm so awesome, that I'm equally committed to for the purpose of this. Are you getting me? So whatever you are doing, you want to go, if you have not had what God wants to do through you in that area, you want to go ask him, Father, how do you want me to use this to serve you? Amen. So commitment to God, because when we talk about living for God, we're talking about absolute 100% committal, commitment to the Father. To live in your life for him, to serve him, to serve his people. Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of this, you do to me. To serve God and his people, to, to be an expression of his kindness to other people. Our, 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 our strategy as a, for, the, for the Transformers Church is rich, rich, represent. Represent is repre going now to represent Jesus, to doing the works of Jesus. As, as I said, you are the light of the world. Go into all the world. Be light, you know, shine. Let people see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. So you got to have that conversation with God. Praise the Lord. So why are we talking about this? Yeah, okay. Sorry, I, I missed my, my train of thought. I'll, I'll come back to that. I'll, I'll get back on this. All right. So some people think, you know, some people, myself back then, also, inclusive back then, think it's some some people that can commit themselves to God. But everything you do, you can be so committed to God that you're leading a life that's committed to God, dependent on God. It's interesting, my wife can testify to this. Ne nearly every new skill that I'm learning, I'm just thinking the kingdom of God, the church of God, how this can improve, improve the kingdom, how this can improve, I mean, I mean improve our work in the kingdom. N nearly 90% of everything that I see, I'm just thinking, trust in church, we can, how we can impact lives. Because I've, I'm practicing the art, or so because I'm not there yet, I'm practicing the art of make, putting God at the center of my life. Amen. So it's not, it's not something extra to live a life committed to God. And I think many of you don't know how, and that's what I'm explaining to you. It's just carrying God along. Look, how do I do this? What do you think about this? Yes, you can have that conversation with God. 
how do I go about it? What do you think of this? If I do this, to you, friends, if you're a child of God, you can hear God. Maybe I'll talk about that later on in the future. How to hear God. Don't expect one voice from heaven. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. See, anything, when you ask God a question or when you pray, whatever comes from your heart and gives you peace, to a very much extent, is God speaking to you as long as it is in line with the Word of God. I repeat, when you ask God a question, when you're praying about anything, right, and you're asking God for direction or something, whatever comes from your heart to do that is in line with the, with the Word of God and gives you peace is God speaking to you. And sometimes God could use people to speak to your heart. But whatever they say to you regarding that situation, whether you told them earlier or not, whatever they say to you must be in line with the word of God and there must be peace in your heart. If there's any kind of doubt or confusion, don't go ahead. Praise the Lord. So it's not an, a, super, a supernatural, extraordinary thing to live a life committed to God. With all due respect, that's why I don't like many, many older colleagues in the faith who make serving God so difficult and tough. And many of you guys don't even think you can have a fantastic relationship with the Father. They, they are cheating you. And I was speaking to Pastor Dwayne yesterday and he was encouraging me. And was, you know, we, we, we talked about certain things about the landscape of the church, especially in, in, in African communities. And it was, encouraging me to, it was encouraging me and I was like, stick, you know, stick, stick to what you, you, you were saying. And it was talking to me about, even in America, that many African churches or churches that are of African descent are gearing towards the walk. And he mentioned the pastor friend who is sounding the word of God and his church membership is just 150. And we had some other conversation afterwards. And somebody sent me a private message not too long ago. And they said, Pastor, the things you teach have changed my life. And they are changing my life. But I don't think the church is ready for the things you're teaching. And Pastor Dwayne, speaking over our life, myself and Jeremy yesterday, praying for us. He said, this is the word of the Lord to us. He said, God is making you a distinctive voice for the future, for him. He said, you will not be an echo of the past. But a distinctive voice. A distinctive voice. Amen. Amen. So as many of you who are part of this, greater things lie ahead. There are great things ahead of us and I'm so excited about it. It's a journey. Amen. Nobody have any excuse. I've pastored, people, I've pastored a family online on Zoom now for, for nearly two years or more. And I can, I've seen change and transformation in the life of their kids who they... What they like? I'm not sure it's not, it's not conducive for them. So people don't. Nobody have an excuse. Amen. For people to travel from London down to Milton Keynes occasionally, to you know, it's not an excuse. I was speaking to a family. We drive one hour for the five minutes every Sunday. One hour for the five minutes one way every Sunday to their church. Every Sunday, one hour for the five minutes. Parents and kids every Sunday and they've been doing this for over a year every Sunday nobody has an excuse it's where your heart is how, how far do you want to go what can you do to qualify the mental health the soundness of life that comes from you know spending time with the saints you know the, the world and our flesh has confused us about what value is and what's truly valuable so we think about convenience 
you know, you can train your mind to you can train your mind to find comfortable what you think is painful. There are some things that I studied that back when I started them, they were like, it's a pain. And I started communicating to my brain the benefit of what the benefit of those things to my life. My, my body began to align. Now, when I do those things, I do them with joy. Amen. You can hear God. You can walk with God. You can build an intimate relationship with the Father. It's not something special, something, something. Praise the Lord. Right. As I'm about to wrap up. God's plan for our lives are better than our plans for ourselves. We're talking about living for God. Not living for yourself. Many people are living for themselves. They have their own plan. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, The thought I have towards you, the thought of good and not of evil, to give an expected end, a hope and a future. Many people have plans for their lives. They, they, as many people who are rich in this world, who are not, who do not have God at the center of what they do, they are one of the most miserable people on earth. Go find out at the back. You, you see, find... <laughs> I don't want to call names. When one of the richest men in the world is exchanging indecent, inappropriate photos with another woman of himself and the other person, there's a problem. Big problem. And I know the world, you know, they revere this person. I've learned the stuff from them. I bought a one of, I think I bought a book as to how they run their business. No, I'm not interested in the car, I'm not interested in the person. Because from God's perspective, this person is zero. And that's why I won't mention their name. I, won't, I will never make reference to an ungodly rich man in my teaching. I can learn from them, but I will never make reference to them because God is not in it. So young people need to be mindful of what they have considered valuable and important. How much peace or joy is he giving you? There's some, there are many Christians that come around that I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable spending 10 minutes with them. Because of how much of the world is in them. And the Bible tells me that evil communication corrupt good manners. I'm not trying to isolate myself. Amen. So God's plan for our lives are better than our plans for ourselves. So we got to learn to walk with the Father. Give ourselves. Amen. Let me finish this, uh, um, this part and we can go to that part next week. Now, that word living sacrifice... Don't you think they sound contra contradictory? Living sacrifice. Because sacrifice denotes something dead. I was going to share a picture, but I thought, you know what? If this goes on YouTube, they may think it's animal cruelty. So let me not go there. But to the Jewish people that Paul was talking to at this point in time, maybe there's some Gentiles there. They, you know, they were still practicing the law back in the days, the, the law of sacrifice and that kind of stuff. So when they sacrifice animals to God, you know, they kill it. It's there and, and stuff like that's why I didn't want to show the picture. Show the picture. They kill the animal, they slaughter the animal on the on the on the altar sacrifice. So it is dead. But Paul is saying that you and I should be a living sacrifice. <laughs> Do you know what it means? A, a sacrifice that is still living. So which means you have to intentionally now give yourself to God. Because you are living, you keep crawling off the altar. <laughs> you can try it. Try to you know, you know, we are no longer in that. We are no longer in that dispensation. But just imagine in your mind, you have a fowl or you have a chicken that you want to sacrifice to the Lord. I'm not saying you should do that. You should not be doing that. But just imagine back in the day, they wanted to 
sacrifice an animal to the Lord, right? And it's not cute and they put it on the altar. Do you think it will stay there? No, it's still living. It will keep crawling off. So when the Bible says you offer your body as a living sacrifice, it means that you have to intentionally stay on course. Life and the world will want to draw you out from your commitment to the Father. So you have to keep taking course correction. So it means that you are not, you are not serving God as a robot. You're not serving God as a zombie. You are intentionally serving God. You intentionally give yourself to God because you are a living sacrifice. You choose to stay on course with God. Now, this is not to condemn any one of you if you feel you've not been a living sacrifice. Each and every one of us will keep crawling off, all the, off the, uh, crawling off the altar from time to time as things get, you know, as we get distracted. That's why it's important that you, be, you join a church. You are part of a Christian body that esteems God, loves God, serves God. It's in the company of this kind of believers that you can be strengthened and encouraged to remain on the altar. Because staying on the altar many times is not conducive. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to the flesh. So when Paul says be to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, you're not just talking about your body, yourself, your faculty, to God as a living sacrifice, to commit yourself to God, to give yourself to God, to stay on the altar. An altar here talking about your relationship with God. Not the altar of one church somewhere. Amen. Living a life of service to God, which is what you were created to do. Live a life of service to God. Not for a blessing. But for your response to the goodness and the kindness of God. So I used to be part of a church where they teach kingdom service. To get God to bless you, or so that God will not cross you, or so that God will not punish you. But Paul is saying to us here that when we serve God, when we make ourselves a living sacrifice to God, is our reasonable response. I'm going to get that into that one much more next week because we're out of time now. To respond to God's mercy is to serve Him. See how see how you demonstrate your gratitude towards God. I mean. Depending on how much you understand him, hope I'm not speaking grammar here. So the degree to the degree to which you you submit, you commit yourself to the Father, to live a life of service to Him, to serve Him and serve His people, shows how grateful you are to Him for His kindness. So when you when you are slow, when you when you are not interested, it just shows that you're not you you don't really know what God has done for you. So living a life of commitment to God should be normal Christianity, not an extraordinary way of living. No more. No more. Amen. It may start with a, with a one-time commitment, but then we have to follow through with that decision every day for the rest of our lives. So every day of your life, you should be thinking, how Lord help me today not to crawl off the altar? How can I serve God better? Look at your life. We should, like I said to us last week, we should learn to evaluate our lives. What's your Christian life? What's your Christian life like? What direction is it going? Come on. When we talk about quiet times, it's time to think and meditate with God. Amen. So I'll read all through this. I'll read this statement. 
So it may start with a one-time commitment, but then we have to follow through with that decision every day for the rest of our lives. That's why it's called a living sacrifice. Because every day there's something that wants to distract you from God or want to prompt you to leave, you, leave for self. Amen. It is possible to commit our lives to the Lord for the purpose of salvation and yet not be yielded to the Lord in our daily lives. There are many of us who are saved today, but we don't yield to the Lord. We live our own plan. We live, our, we live of our own thinking. We do what we want to do, not even asking God. Amen. So uh, becoming a living sacrifice is not just a one-time deal. Right? We have to die to our own desires, own personal selfish desires daily. And this has to be a, a living, ongoing commitment to the Lord. Amen. Uh, let, me, uh, let me give us one benefit as a showdown. So I so said, it's only when we take, we make the total sacrifice of every area of our lives that we begin to see God's perfect will. It's only when we make a total commitment, and it's going to take, it's, it's practice, it takes practice, and it's going to take some time. It's when we start learning to yield areas of our life to God that we begin to, I mean, we begin to see Him, we begin to see His perfect will manifest through us. If you yield your marriage to God, you see God's perfect will manifest through you to bless other marriages, bless other homes. If you yield your finances to God, you see how God is able to commit more to your hand to be a blessing to other people. If you yield your mind to God, you see creativity. You know, if you yield your life to the Father, I mean, you yield your life to the Father, yield your mind, yield your time, yield your space, your house to the Father. You see Him walk through you. If you really want to experience God, give yourself to Him. If you don't, you can't experience Him. The Bible says in the book of um, Mark chapter 16, I think verse 20, he said, As the apostles went, the Lord was walking with them, confirming his word with signs following. They had to go. If they had not gone, he can't confirm his word. They had to go. They had to go speak. Praise the Lord. So next week, I'll try to go into why people are not, why people find it difficult to commit to God. And... Um, I might have touched more on that reasonable service. Uh, if I had extra 15 minutes, I could have done this, but we've, uh, time is fast spent. And probably give us more tips to next week and go into this. That's the next, um, the part two of the message, in a sense. Praise God. Let's bow our heads for prayers. Father, we thank you for this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your word coming to us, encouraging us to uh, commit ourselves to you, to live a life of total commitment to you, to serve you, to live for you. And Lord, we pray for strength in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Strength to, to lay aside distractions. Strength in our inner man to stand our ground against those things that want to preoccupy our hearts and make us ineffective in our walk with you. Lord, we pray that our eyes of understanding will be enlightened to see what you have done for us, your goodness, your kindness, your love for us, so that we can be, we can be steered to respond appropriately by giving ourselves to you, making ourselves a living sacrifice in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray.